the leadership aspect of integrity. I mentioned authenticity earlier. It's quite yep. difficult to do that without integrity. Um, yep. My approach to leadership is all built on, you know, building trust, building respect, the empathetic side of it, the understanding and putting the people first. And if you don't have integrity, most of those things will fall down very quickly. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams and organisations. Enjoy the episode. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Helping People Perform. I'm delighted to be joined today by someone who's not that far from me actually, just down the road uh, in Guildford and whose podcast I've had the pleasure of being on in the past. Uh, We have host of Leading with Integrity podcast. Welcome to the show today, David Hatch. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. And it's it's lovely to be able to return the favour as you were such an excellent guest for me. I hope I do half as good a job as you did. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure you will. That was a fascinating conversation. I'll put the link to that show uh, in my, the show notes here as well, if people want to have a look at what happened when the tables were turned. So uh, <laughs> um, right, let's kick things off with a bit of uh, your backstory then. What got you to where you are today? This might be too long of a story, so you might have to tell me <laughs> to, to stop halfway through. Um, yeah, so I guess... It started, as as it does for a lot of people, the school journey that I went to uni, did an apparently random subject of politics with international studies, which at the time felt like the right thing to do. Um, In hindsight now, probably could have done without spending a year learning about the EU. That's largely useless to me now, (laughs) living in the UK, but never mind. Um, Graduated the year of the financial crisis, by which I mean 2008, because there's been so many of them since. Yep, the original, Um, old school. Indeed, yeah, the first. Um, Failed to join the Air Force for various reasons, um, largely timing, I think. And yeah, I wasn't fit enough, if I'm honest. Right. Did a few temp and contract roles for big-ish corporations and local offices that they had around the around the place. Decided that probably wasn't for me. I didn't really like that sort of company. Yep. And then more by luck than judgment, fell into the aerospace industry, working for a small uh, consulting firm, uh, which had its ups and downs. But what I loved about it was the small business aspect, the right. feeling like you have a bigger impact and that everything you do can affect the whole company and you can see the impact of what you're doing, which you really don't get in a big company, in my experience yeah. anyway. Mm. Um, and it also has the virtue of more interesting work, uh, particularly because the industry aligned well with what I was interested in, but also it's yeah. quite varied because part of being in a small business is you end up picking up whatever needs doing, whether it's your job in inverted yes. commas or not. Um, so that let, let me get involved in all sorts of weird and wonderful things. You know, we did we did things like we did, we were working on a big legal case with a law firm in London providing aviation expert witnesses, which was wow. interesting, depressing at times as well, because right, um, yeah. it involved a crash and there were some deaths involved and mm. that sort of thing. But really interesting to learn the process behind things like that. And then at the other end of the scale, we at one point bought an inventory of aircraft spares. And so we were literally like rivet salesmen for a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there was just there was such a volume of stuff as well that everyone had to pitch in because we would have had right. no hope of shifting it otherwise. Um, yeah. And so the things you learn from doing that are amazing about sort of process and business and sales and quality, project management, all of that. Um, 
And I ended up working at that company for a decade or so. As a result of which, I had the opportunity to get involved in the foundation of a new space company, wow. which at the time was quite rare in the UK. I think, yeah, I think we were probably the only like fully UK space company at the time in mm. this sector anyway. I mean, there's people building satellites and stuff like that, which we weren't. Yeah. Um, if you ignore companies like Airbus and the big multinationals, who, mm. who open an office in a country and then claim they're a UK company when they're right. a multinational. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll ignore people like that. <laughs> when, it, when it benefits them for tax purposes. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, cynically, yes, you're probably right there. Um, but certainly in the sector we were in, which was Earth observation, so satellite imaging, um, there's there's quite a few of them now, but at the time we, mm. were, we were quite new to the party as a country. Brilliant. Um, yeah, which was which was great. And somewhere in there, I picked up a load of qualifications in like project management and quality control and right. a few leadership things and began what I now see as a lifelong journey of learning about leadership. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you want to hear a bit more about the space company now, don't you? Well, I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple of things there. I mean, uh, yeah. knowing you and having listened to, uh, to a number of your podcasts, which uh, are always awesome, and you always talk about your passion for space and, uh, you know, and, and sci-fi and all sorts of bits mm. and pieces in between. Um, but, you know, what was it, you know, that drove that passion for, uh, for space and aviation in the first place, do you think? Is there anything uh, that got you to, into that? Um. It, probably two different things, actually. So, I mean, the aerospace, the aviation, that side of it. Um, growing up, my dad had a pilot's license, so I was flying pretty much from when I could walk. Um, don't tell mum, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there was that, you know, we were always hanging around airfields and pushing aeroplanes around and stuff like that, which, yeah, I, I loved, always did. Yeah. Um, inevitably, that led me to joining the Air Cadets, um, hence the Air Force angle later as well. Yeah. Um, and also that kind of sparked the initial interest in leadership as well was right. seeing that and at the time i didn't realize actually that the air cadets taught leadership pretty badly in terms of right. like okay. you're you teaching sort of the 50s understanding of what military leadership is like to teenagers i guess if Com- I command and control for- <laughs> <laughs> yeah which in a business setting i would now know having tried it doesn't work <laughs> at <Right>. all <laughs> um yeah and then the space side i guess yeah mum was a trekkie growing up so watching right. star trek from almost as early as I can remember, and then Star Wars, obviously. Mm. Um, and then later on, it was Stargate SG-1. Yeah, I could I could rattle off all of the big sci-fis. <laughs> yeah, I won't. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I think that's um, it, it's a really important thing. Um, I speak to a lot of people. I do some career coaching and things like that. And it's like connecting with the things that you're passionate about mm. and finding, you know, is there a way that you can connect that with the career that you're trying to, to drive? Uh, it doesn't have to be. It can be something that, you know, recognizing if you recognize that's a passion for you if you can't do it in your career then actually how do you get that passion uh fanned and flamed outside of your career as well but if you can combine the two then often it's a it's a win-win for everyone so uh that's fantastic yeah yeah i i mean i i didn't really do it on purpose though it, it was right. kind of a happy accident um I mean, the aerospace thing, it was literally just a, a job ad in the paper. I wasn't re- really even looking for it. Some, right. Someone else showed it to me. Yeah. And then the space thing wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been already working at that company. So, yeah. I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll do you the do you the <laughs> dignity of not, not asking you to explain for the younger audience what a job ad in a paper is. But, yeah, uh... thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or what a paper uh, is, frankly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. So um, that's led you on then to what you're doing today 
Um, and I know you've got the consulting company. You've also got the podcast. You know, tell us a bit more about uh, what you do today in terms of who you help and how you help them. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a bit more background about the space industry piece, mm. maybe, because that sort of led me into the company today. And I call okay. it a company because legally it is a company, but actually it's just me, if I'm honest. I'm right. a solopreneur. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this, the space bit, we really got into probably at the wrong time, I think. Um, right. At the time we did, it was back in 2015. There'd been a really high profile company in the States. It was a small startup. They'd built mm. like two satellites at the time, I think, and then Google bought them for 500 million. Wow. And so we were like, wow, if they could yeah. do it, we could do it. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't do it. Right. Um, I can tell you, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, that part of the industry in particular, there was a lot of attention on it. And so it felt like we were in an exciting, cutting edge thing. We were entering a market with big potential. And it thought it was going to be amazing. And so our point of difference was going to be video from space. Okay. Which sounds pretty cool, yes? Mm. video yeah um the problem is neither we nor anyone else really knew what the use cases were for video from space because nobody else had done it yet so right (laughs) and when you bought it down actually without giving away too many trade secrets it's far enough removed now it was years ago but um when you really bought it down because of the characteristics of low earth orbit and where these satellites have to be in order to work and balance Mm. the cost and the size and yeah all that other Mm. boring technical stuff um what you really got to was maybe a minute or so of video before the satellite was too far over the horizon right couldn't point at your target anymore right so i don't know about you i mean can you think of any worthwhile potentially valuable applications in that (laughs) context of like 60 seconds ish i need 60 seconds of video at a very specific (laughs) for a very specific position in on the globe for a very short period of time yeah yeah yeah, yeah, we certainly struggled. Um, and it yeah. turns out, yeah, there was a pretty big reason why the majority of the industry was focused on still imagery. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So as a result of that, about halfway through my time at the company, it was decided we needed to pivot into software. Okay. And and yeah, I mean, the original plan we were going to be what what do they call it? Like a vertically integrated or full spectrum bit. Some some clever marketing phrase that I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was about doing like the whole the whole market share, if you like. So the the upstream in having and controlling satellites, the the midstream, which was a clumsy phrase that I don't really like, mm. but we'll go with it. Which was like yeah. operating the satellites because that's the whole piece in itself, right? And then the sort of the downstream of applying what you're getting from the satellites into something useful for customers, right? Um, all of which sounded great, and there's a very big collection there, of really interesting ideas that we completely failed or certainly struggled to implement or get any mm. real traction. Um, and the reason I'm boring you with this story is that there were a lot yeah. of lessons there. Um, right. I think the biggest lesson that I took away from it from a business point of view was about having the market and the customer need before you try to build the thing. Right. And I think there's a trap of a lot of tech companies that fall into is building it first. Um, like the old build a dreams thing, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, you can't worry about finding the right customer later. That's that's what I've learned from that experience really right. is you've got to find that need first mm. and then develop your solution to solve that problem. Because the truth of it is if you build it first, they might not come. Yep. Um, no, it's, I mean, I think that's, that's a lesson that um, is so applicable in all sorts of areas. And I remember one of my previous guests, uh, John Petrohidos, he was talking about that from a, um, a sort of online course perspective. You know, I've um, you know, previously fallen into the trap. I built an online course, put it out there, and hopefully people will buy it. And it's got some traction and it's got, got good, but actually 
the approach that he'd done so well off is building that desire, understanding what actually is this really a demand? Is that there? And then off the back of that, starting to solve those problems. And I think that's a, you know, such an applicable piece beyond yeah. just that space uh, use case. Yeah, and the the real tragedy of it is it's so easy to do, and we've all done it. You get really excited about this idea that you have, and and you can see the value of it. You're like, oh, this is going to be so great. It's going to be so exciting. And then you get it to market, or you put it in front of a potential customer, and it completely falls flat. Right. And then that's a real knock to the confidence, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to be said about the ability to um, be passionate about what you're doing, really get into what you're doing, but also be able to separate yourself from that uh, ability for feedback and for you know this isn't working you've got to be objective in terms of are we actually achieving what we set out to achieve whilst having that personal connection and i think that's a real balance that a lot of people particularly in small businesses because it is so personal mm. um but yeah it's a it's an interesting challenge so, so you got a lot of experience and so um, i take it um from that world what were your leadership experiences that led you more to the sort of what you what you're doing today? Yeah, this is where I have to try really hard not to just get into a negative rant because it was quite a painful <laughs> experience at the time. Right. Um, so I mean, alongside the kind of the, the product and the market and the technical challenges we had, there were also some pretty big strategic issues. I guess I would call it right um, around trying to raise investment. I mean, launching satellites is pretty expensive. I'd imagine, um, yeah. you know the the price of the satellite itself is i mean for us it was going to be maybe half of the cost getting them in orbit is the other half and it's just right. it's, it's mind-blowing sums of money um mm. even for relatively small ones that we were looking at right uh we probably got the timing a bit wrong as well you know we got all excited about the google thing back in 2015 but then we didn't realistically go out properly for investment for a couple of years so mm. You know, we'd missed it. And then by that point, the world had changed. The economy had moved on. It wasn't the best time to be trying to get funding for this massive hardware project, um, right. particularly because quite a lot of rockets were blowing up at that point as well. So it's quite high risk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the company itself was also having some difficulties with with leadership and organisational culture and a host mm. of related issues that are probably sadly familiar to everyone who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who's ever had a job anyway yes <laughs> yeah. yeah and and what were some of the key sort of learnings uh either from the negative experiences or maybe there might be a few positive ones scattered in amongst that that stick with you today Ooh, i think it's kind of positive and negative i think it, it really comes down to recognizing the value of your people right um I think, I mean, with the title of this podcast is helping people perform, isn't it? And I think the, mm. the big, big thing you've got to get right at the earliest stage of that is making sure they understand that you recognize the value they're bringing to your organization. If you want them mm. to perform, they've got to feel valued. They've got to feel like right. they're recognized, they're heard, they're understood, and that you're there to help them as much as they are to deliver a, a benefit and output for you. I yep. think that's where so many managers go wrong, so many CEOs not just ones I've worked for, honest. Yeah. Um, and it, again, it's, it's it's a sadly familiar story in terms of people getting it wrong. But then I also, I'm quite lucky doing the podcast that I do now, 
being able mm. to hear stories of people getting it right as well. And I yes. love hearing those because it's just <laughs> oh, that's, that's, it's so nice to hear that it isn't just a horrible thing that everyone gets wrong. Yeah. And I think um, it strikes me um, um, if you ask most leaders if they care and value their people, care for and value their people, they will say yes. Mm. Yeah, of course we do. Very few that will you know, say no or just, yeah, they're just a number to me. Whereas if you ask people, do they feel cared for? Do they feel valued? Then you get a completely other end of the spectrum. Um, and I think the main thing that I've picked up over the years is it's got to be a frequent demonstration at an individual level as well. You know, it's like, why do I care and value you for what you're doing and what you're bringing? And do I understand you and your motivations, what your life is outside of this office space so that I can, you know, connect back to what that is as well. So, uh, you know, and, and it's not the, yeah. I mean, what, what are your experiences there? Have you, have you had any good experiences in that, that side or? Yeah, I've had good and bad. I think, I think yeah. the real difficulty with it is being, a, and this is a buzzword I know that everyone hears on social media all the time, but is doing it authentically. Yeah. And there is, there is a knack to that, I think, because mm. and I think back to one manager I had who he'd obviously recognised that there was, there was something important there and that you should be, you know, touching base with people frequently. So every every time he came into the office, he would literally, he'd walk around every desk and talk to every person. Now on the, I guess, the superficial side, that, that looks like it should be the right thing to do, that that couldn't possibly have a negative impact. But the problem with it was he asked every single person the same question. Right. His eyes glazed over or he'd start texting and he wouldn't really listen to the answer. And as mm. soon as they'd finished speaking, he'd just go, thanks, great. See you, see you next time. I move on to the next person. And so it gave this really like, it was a sour taste in the mouth, maybe certainly for me anyway. But I think a lot of people saw through that and they realized that he's going through the motions. He's, mm. you know, and it's particularly the asking everyone the same question bit. That was the real killer, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I think it's one of those bits where if you're all in separate rooms and you're all asked the same question, you wouldn't know it. But when yeah. you know that context of walking around, you can almost, you know, in my mind, I can always almost see someone there with a tick box and a like. David's done. Let's move on to Paul. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Ask my questions. I've done my leadership. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it felt contrived because it was. So right. you know, whereas the other end of the scale, a, a completely different leader I worked with. Um, he would have a similar thing, except he wouldn't literally just do it all in one go and go around all the desks, but he'd make sure he'd kind of put himself in a position to have a conversation with people at least once a week. So he wouldn't just do it every time or every person all at once. He would remember what he'd spoken about last time. He'd start the conversation by asking a question about something he knows you're interested in or about your family by name. You know, how was, I don't know, um, Susie's school play last week, something like that. And right. he'd remember it all. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah. Oh, it's chalk and cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, this has led you, I, I guess, onto the podcast mm. and the ability. To, so what first got you into the world of podcasting? And tell us a bit more about Leading with Integrity. Yeah. Um, so I guess it, it came out of lockdown, really, the whole COVID of it all. Um, I think having having that passion for leadership, having been something that I was interested in since, since I was a teenager, but then also when I left my last job, last company, and then started the new one, that was only about five months before the first lockdown. So again, my timing was, was excellent. <laughs> I'm just really pleased yeah. with that. 
Uh, no, obviously not. But uh, yeah, hindsight's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's I, I think, it's... <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, leadership was always something I wanted to get into the business and start doing. It was something I was passionate about. It was something I cared about. I'd studied it and experienced it enough that I felt fairly confident that I could help people. Right. Um, and then it just kind of needed the impetus to actually make me do something about it. And so one of the lockdowns was, yeah, pretty pretty crushing, actually, uh, the timing of it. And I think it was one of the later ones, maybe 2021, I think it probably was. Mm-hmm. And I needed something to do. And then one of the platforms that I was on for some of my marketing work added a podcast function. I thought, oh, that's a, that's a good idea. I mean, I could do a podcast. I'm sat here on my own anyway. I'll yep. just get a microphone. And so that's what it was. Again, you know, there's a lot more luck than judgment, no no real planning to it, <laughs> um, which is the terrible message to send to people, I know. But um, yeah, it was needs must. It was a Save David's Sanity project is what it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you chose, you know, you chose the title Leading with Integrity. So tell mm-hmm. us about what the show focuses on and who, who you speak to and um i know i know it is an interview format you know do you mm-hmm. do any other formats alongside that or is it there yeah i mean it's mostly interview we do i've done a few solo episodes over the years a little, little mini series of them um september last year i think it was um right had a few with multiple guests which are always fun to manage as a host yeah i don't know if you've <laughs> attempted those but um <laughs> Yeah, I've done a couple of uh, of sort of partners, two people at once, yeah. and I'm I'm setting something up for later this year where I've got three people, industry experts who know each other, and uh, and that that that'll be later this year. But that's uh, going to be an exciting yeah. one to to manage more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I I quite enjoyed them, um, but it, yeah, it does feel maybe it's just in my head, but it does feel slightly more stressful. Uh, right, but yeah, it's quite good. I think just have fewer <laughs> questions and just ask everyone in turn is the way it works. Yes. For me. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and then leading with integrity, the name kind of came out of, and this might tell you a bit more about former bosses as well, actually. But mm. when I started the the company originally, its tagline was delivering with integrity, right? And that integrity piece has always been quite important to me, um, particularly from sort of a PR perspective of certain things that former companies have said which on the inside I knew weren't true and things like that um and then obviously the leadership aspect of integrity I mentioned authenticity earlier it's quite difficult to do that without integrity um my approach to leadership is all built on you know building trust building respect the empathetic side of it the understanding and putting the people first and if you don't have integrity most of those things will fall down very quickly because it's one of those right. things that humans can just naturally pick up on. Like if yeah. if you're not being a hundred percent truthful or honest or authentic, yeah, you know, I mean, the the phrase "human lie detector" is exists for a reason, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. People pick up on that, and so um, apart from amazing guests like myself, <laughs> of course, who um, what sort of guests do you typically talk to? What sort of range of people have you got on the show? Uh, yeah, so I guess it's a combination or variety is probably a better word of leadership coaches, uh, people like yourself. Um, mm. CEOs and founders, people who've been through that whole journey themselves, and so we yep. can learn from their experiences. Um, and then kind of just experts in their field or people who don't quite fit in either of those boxes but still have really interesting leadership stories to tell. So right. like one of those that stands out was um, a guy called Jeff Morgan, who is now a reformed 
former criminal, but in his youth, he was a bank robber and he spent all this time in prison. Whereas now wow. he helps people turn their lives around. He teaches them all about leadership and why that matters and why it's important. And so his insights were really great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've had some really good ones. Fighter pilot, uh, polar explorer. That was a really interesting one as well. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've I've listened to a few. There's always some. What I love about uh, the podcast, I mean, podcasts in general, but your your shows full of just those tips as to what can you pick up on, what can you do. Because I think if you don't, you know, give your audience something in terms of what can you do with this. This is a great story, but how do you actually apply it to yourself, and how do you feel value? Um, mm. And that's a that's a wonderful thing to share with people. So yeah, okay, so I'm pleased to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um. On top of that, you mean you've got your consulting company as well, and you you, uh, you work with clients. What sort of clients do you typically work with, and how are you helping them? Uh, yeah, I mean that's quite a long question to answer again. Um, I do my best. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that from that the whole experience with that that startup journey, I think there were there were kind of two things that it awoke in me, if you like, or underlined for me. One was the leadership side of it. Um, yep. You know, leadership does matter. It does make a difference. It's not just a nice to have soft skill. Um, it's essential, I think, to success, and quite often its absence is the cause of failure. Um, that's right. certainly been my experience anyway. But secondly, what I took from it was that I really enjoy working in those kind of high-tech startup environments uh, yeah. where, where the goal is something worthwhile and important as well, not, not just doing yes. it to make money. Yeah. Um, and so when I set up on my own, the first thing I started offering was project management services because it was what I was most qualified in at the time. Um yeah. And it felt like it would be easier to sell in, a, in the short term yeah. <laughs> with everything that's going on in the world. That, that was quite a priority for me at the time. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when I set up on my own, that was kind of the first thing I, I started offering, both at the, kind of the strategic program level and then the more day-to-day -day project operations level, I guess you would call it. And yeah. with what I'd been doing up till then, it felt natural to stick in the space industry. And I've kept that going even, even today on and off through the last four years or so, if Wow, it's more than four years now. That's flying by. Anyway. Yeah, it does. It does um, fly by. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm very picky about the, the kind of projects I get involved in now. It's got to be, right. I've got to find it interesting. It's got to have something in there that I'm going to care about. Otherwise, right. I, you know, I'm not just going to do it for the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know you've got um, a community piece as well. So tell us a bit more about the, uh, the, the sort of online community side. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, the leadership and um, how I help people, there's really you know, there's two ways. It's the podcast, which I'm determined to keep free for everyone for as long as I possibly can, because um, hopefully that way the most people will benefit from it. Yep. And then my real focus this year is on trying to build this online community. So it's called Integrity Leaders. It's fully online. It's very low cost. In fact, there's a 60-day free trial right now. Um, yeah, fantastic. And the idea is that it will give people access to leadership development they won't otherwise be able to get so right. we do live sessions we've got a few short courses there's a community and networking aspect to it as well and and helping you meet new leaders new managers people in a similar stage of their career as you because right. again you know leadership can be quite a lonely experience sometimes especially when you're doing it for the first time mm. and and it is isolating people feel unsupported quite quite a lot um so it's giving you kind of that sympathetic ear if you like and access to people who can understand you and have that conversation around things that you're struggling with but without feeling maybe the the stress of talking to someone at work at the office about it right. because that has a whole set of problems to it as well doesn't it 
Ah, wonderful. Um, so we'll make sure we got the uh, the link definitely to uh, to that community, and we'll share that uh, with people. And you know, I do encourage people just to to go and check these things out and see if it's for you. And you know, this is, uh, sounds like an amazing way to get some of that high level uh, leadership training that you would generally, or certainly in my experience, typically get off a big course that either costs a lot of money or is invested by a big business or something along those lines. And this is a you know, much more efficient and uh, and fun way in a lot of ways to uh, to connect and, and build up your leadership skills. So kudos to you for setting that up, sir. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. And yeah, I, I hope so. And I think that, that you've hit the nail on the head there is most of the kind of the leadership development, these big executive leadership programs, executive coaching, you know, it's not really aimed at those first timers, the, the mm. new managers, even first time company founders who won't have the money to spend on things like that. And so that was kind of my logic was make something a bit more affordable. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, yeah, and it, it's a source of immense frustration to me that most of those leadership programs are targeted at the people at the top of the organization. Yeah. I'm not disputing they need leadership development. Of course, everyone does. But in terms of who's interacting with the actual people doing the job and the work of the company, it's it's those new managers, isn't it? Those are the people who most need urgent leadership development <laughs> yeah yeah not anyway. not you don't don't give them leadership development 10 15 years down the line when they yeah. already made their way up to a senior leadership role let's make sure we get that yeah. at the grassroots level exactly and by that point as well with any bad habits they've got are so firmly entrenched oh. that you know <laughs> you'd have to spend millions on training probably to get that out of them <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so let's have a think, um, maybe switch this up a little bit in terms of how do you help yourself perform? What are the things that you do that keep you on top of your game? That's a good question. Um, so obviously, I'm a member of several communities. Um, I listen to loads of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm spending loads of money on training all this time. No, obviously, I'm not doing that because being a small yeah. business owner, I'm not always in the position to. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, joking aside, I, I am in a few communities that, that help me with, with skills that I'm lacking. So a big one for me is around the marketing and the messaging. That's not something in my career before that I ever had to do. So I don't understand it. I don't know how it yep. works. Um, so I do need support there. Um, and then from the business owner aspect, I'm very fortunate in that I have a quite a good network of former colleagues and people I've met at networking events over the years who are in very much the same position as me. In quite a few cases, they're further down the journey, so they've got more experience, which I can learn from. Um, and I do my best to, to talk to them as often as I can without annoying them, um, <laughs> which is the real knack. <laughs> I mean, the thing that surprised me in my journey, because I've always I've been employed the majority of my career and then going mm. into this self-employed world is if if you just ask and put the question out there, people want to help and people want to share their experiences and share their stories. So it's something I always encourage people to do to help them get and don't underestimate the power that that helps the individual who's helping you as well. So, uh, you know, there's a, there is a, a win win for everyone there. Oh, 100%, 100%. I yeah. think it's, I mean, that's why I feel quite fortunate to have a, a short list of people I can just phone up and ask for advice because especially as a solopreneur, sometimes you can get a bit lonely and you, and you do you do miss that office environment sometimes and having those people around you and just pick their brains at the drop of a hat and yeah, and it can be, yeah. So it is, it is very good, not just for, for what you're trying to do or, or for your development, but for your mental health sometimes as well to just yeah. have have someone to listen 
Yeah, fantastic. Um, and let's uh, ask you a couple of quick fire questions here. So if you, mm. you've got this skill set, you've got this experience, um, who would you want to help if you had could help any individual team or organization to help them perform? Well, who would you want that to be? I mean, thinking of a named individual is difficult, but anyone who is struggling as a new manager, they've they've been dropped in at the deep end. They, they're yep. struggling to swim and no one's helping them. Someone like that. Um, right. In terms of an organization or company, I guess anyone who's trying to change the world for the better uh, right. and leadership is holding them back for whatever reason. Hmm. Oh, wonderful stuff yeah. <laughs> and let's and let's flip it on its head a little bit in terms of if you could sit down and have a drink have a coffee have a meal with somebody and just chat to them that you believe could really help you up your game and help your performance who would you want that to be i think there's a couple of people but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with for, for for two different reasons. One is to answer a question and the other is just because I think it'd be really interesting to meet and talk to these people. An astronaut. Yeah. Anyone, doesn't matter. I mean, somebody like Chris Hadfield, um, the, the Canadian guy who's quite famous for his rendition of Space Oddity, Oddity whether he was right. on the um, <laughs> International Space Station or, or Tim Peake. Yeah. Buzz Aldrin would be interesting, but I feel like I wouldn't get within a mile of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that, just because they've got such a unique perspective on yeah. the world literally like there's you mm. could count on on your hands probably i don't know yeah showing my lack of preparation there but um <laughs> it's it's not a long list of people who've been in the position they've been in and had that yeah. perspective on on the earth as a whole yeah um no wonderful and, yeah but oh, also yeah, they're, I... they're such high performers to have got to that point yes. in their careers as well so they must have so much knowledge and wisdom to share so yeah yeah, they're certainly a unique bunch and, uh, and and something that I think we could all learn from. So uh, great, great answer. Um, and finally, then, if people want to reach out, they want to uh, learn about your podcast, they want to learn about your community, uh, where do they go to connect with you, to connect with the work that you do? Uh, well, there's a website, which is www.leadernotaboss.com. Yep. Um, and that will let them sign up for my newsletter you can also then get an invite to join the community if you'd like to or just give it a trial see if it's for you or not yeah uh, you can also find me on linkedin um, and follow me there everything about the podcast that's pretty much all i post about these days so if you're interested in that that's where you'll find it brilliant and yeah, uh, as always, I do encourage the audience to go out and check out um, you know, other people's podcasts or the, uh, and the work that they're doing, because there's some amazing work and do reach out and connect. And, you know, you never know where these conversations are going to take you next. So um been fascinating, David, and uh, I'm wishing you the, the best of luck for the great work that you're doing. And thanks for being on the show today, David Hatch. Well, likewise, thanks so much for having me, Paul. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com. <laughs>